It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. January, I don't know, I think 25th, a couple weeks before signing day, day after a uh, basketball game that was not all that memorable and worth talking about. We'll probably talk about it a little bit. But we are going this week on the podcast to... uh, I don't know, like the most famous man in St. Louis radio is—is is that fair to say, Tim McKernan? Yeah, I, I think I'm—I uh, think I'm the best in the world, but I hope that okay. doesn't come off wrong. <laughs> What's the right way for that to come off? <laughs> I, I like the—I like the intro that made it clear to anybody who is listening that there's clearly no plan for this conversation. No, I like that. Because that's I, the only kind of conversation I want to participate in. Well, see, I, I was going to say, like, I, I've listened to a few episodes of your podcast, and, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of that. But, um, uh, like, to me, those are over an hour long. Like, you've clearly sat down and thought what you want to talk about with these people. <laughs> so are you at all offended that I'm just calling you and going, I, I don't know, do we want to talk about, like, when we hung out in college? What's, I, I don't know what we should talk about. I'd love to discuss that. I'd be happy to spend time talking about that. I uh, I don't think FCC regulations apply to this particular podcast, but um, I would prefer also to keep my job and my sterling reputation. So we will. Uh, we will Why leave, did you book me? We will leave all discussions of uh, diamonds and such to uh, for for the uh, for the after dark podcast. Absolutely, I'm in. So, uh, all right. So let, let's start. Well, first of all. I don't know. Missouri played a basketball game last night. It was awful. Um, but, like, what's the feeling? Uh, you've got a little more of a 30,000-foot view of, of this team in the last year. I mean, I'm here every single day, and I'm dealing with, like, the diehards who, who know every twist and turn and every win they're going to the Final Four and every loss is, is the worst thing in the world. Like, what's the 30,000-foot view of the last year in Missouri basketball? I think, well, if you go back to last year, then you include the, the tail end of the Kim Anderson era. Oh, yeah, era. no, that didn't happen. Like, okay, right, <laughs> we went is, straight from straight Frank Haith leaving to Conzo Martin being hired. <laughs> Got it. So now I understand what we're talking about. There was a great deal of anticipation, and it was going to be nice because in St. Louis, with no NFL team, uh, once Missouri football is over, and, of course, the Cardinals are done, you're either – really into the Blues regular season, uh, as plenty of people are, or you're a casual fan and kind of don't really care about the regular season and get excited in the playoffs. So to not have a competitive college basketball team for all those years and no NFL team, you really had a a sports abyss. And so now, uh, going into 2017-18 college basketball season, there was a great deal of enthusiasm, and I think that dissipated greatly, as I would imagine many in the Missouri fan base would say was the case for them with the Michael Porter Jr. injury. Yeah, it, uh, it, it really took a, a lot of the wind out of the sails. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned the Rams leaving. So, uh, like, a lot of Missouri fans said when the Rams left, oh, this can be great for Missouri. Like, that, Missouri can capitalize and get these fans. And my contention always was it, college football is a different thing than the, than the NFL. Like, college football is an emotional – you have a connection to your team or your school. Uh, you know – I don't think the casual, the regular NFL football fan is is going to go. I just have to see football. Let me latch on to the Missouri Tigers. I mean, have you seen any of that? Do you think there's has there been more excitement for Missouri and St. Louis since the Rams left, or no? No, because Missouri really hasn't been that great Fair. since the Rams yeah. left. 
And but I but but even let's say that the Rams left in 2013 or 2012, which would have then opened up the the opportunity in 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 the 2013 season. How great of a season that was! I agree with you. I don't think that that's the way that that football fandom works. For example, and this might help drive the point home, uh, you know, on InsideSTL.com, we would do these year-end awards, and we did it going back to like 2010. And I always would say we would do the best moment of the year, the worst moment of the year, and the sports person of the year in St. Louis sports. And I would say the awards go as far east as Champaign, Illinois, and as far west as Columbia, Missouri. That is, for the purpose of this, the, the landscape. And I would every year have some people, maybe not by any means like some huge amount, but some people go, why do you include Columbia, Missouri? That's not St. Louis. Yeah. And so there, I think there is a feel in cities – which is why oftentimes in states where you have some big cities with big professional sports teams, that college sports don't resonate for a healthy percentage of the fan base. But I do think you do have people who didn't go to Missouri who cheer for Missouri uh, in St. Louis without question. That's an obvious statement. I just don't think that that percentage has increased materially since the Rams have left. I realize, by the way, terrible job by me. I'm kind of an amateur at this podcasting. It's only like episode 206. I didn't really introduce <laughs> you as anything other than a guy I went to college with. So <laughs> people um, in Kansas City going, well, yeah. who is this guy? Why do we right. care? And they probably already bailed. For the seven people who do not know Tim McKernan, I mean, you run InsideSTL.com. You're on the radio like 19 days a week. Uh, you have Just tell everybody what you do. Uh, started inside STL.com in 2005 when I left TV because TV was kind of boring to me and I could tell it was a dying industry. Gabe, you can talk about that too. Uh, <laughs> they asked me to TV. leave TV. You may have left on your own. <laughs> they, they asked me to leave. <laughs> so I worked for the CBS affiliate in St. Louis, started doing radio as well. Love doing radio. I've been doing radio since 2002 and our show is called The Morning After and it airs from 7 to 10. Uh, on KFNS 590, the fan in St. Louis. And I work with Jim Hayes, who you see on Cardinal Broadcasts, and Doug Vaughn, who I worked with at the CBS affiliate. Um, and then I just started a podcast. I guess our first episode was with Gary Pinkle, and it started in October. And uh, also had Mike Kelly on. And uh, that was the only thing I missed from TV were these long-form interviews where I would sit down with guests, usually Cardinals, Rams, Blues, Missouri people, and then we would run like 10 minutes of these interviews on our hour-long Sunday night show. Uh, other than that, I didn't miss television at all. It bored me. Uh, and so now with these podcasts, you're able to do these things. And I've just I've loved doing them. And it's cool that the response has been pretty positive to them. So that's all I do, Colonel. That's all I do. That, that's it, yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't know if I would have uh, considered saying this 20 years ago. But, like, you're on a three-man radio show. You're like the straight man, right? <laughs> I mean, because you insinuating that Doug Vaughn puts from the rough. Um, is that what you're saying? Doug Vaughn is the he's the comic relief, right? <laughs> and you're the guy that kind of uh, you're, you're the guy that kind of steers steers back from from when Doug has driven this thing into the median. You've, you've got to get it back on track. <laughs> I, I'm the one, I'm the one. We, it's a phrase of like running point is what we call it. So I'm yes. kind of the one that brings it in and out of break and. It's just, I mean, it's, you want to talk about a lack of preparation for a show. <laughs> I, for real, and I don't know why I do it, because I'm up at 5 in the morning every day, and I live, this wasn't a coincidence, where we built the new studios, I live, I can get to the studio within two minutes if I hit one stoplight. If I don't hit that light, it's four minutes. 
So I leave my house at 7.02, 7.03 every morning, even though the show starts at 7. At this point, after 15 years, it's just kind of understood. It's like Missouri game starts at 7, but you know it's really 7.08. Seven, right. Uh, and, and so yeah, I, I still and fall into the in. trap. A radio guy calls me and says, you're going to be on at 8.05. And I still, after 15 years, for some reason, think I'm actually going to be on at 8.05. <laughs> yeah, you should know better. About it. I know. You're like, you might as well be in the mountain time zone. It's completely so, my fault. But, uh, but you know, we walk in, and I, I kind of like it. It's like I would always hear that Letterman would never talk to his guests before they would do interviews. Yeah. So that way, when you're actually having the conversation, it's the first time you're having the conversation. So I, in many cases, have no idea what Doug or the cat want to talk about or where things are and what their opinions are going to be on things. And so we just go in, the mics go on, and we go. And it, we, we do hour-long segments. Um, and I think that's wound up appealing to people because podcasting is becoming so popular that the show kind of plays like a podcast. So I don't know, man. It's super fun. Inevitably, it's going to come to an end someday, but I'm very lucky that uh, I get to screw off in my hometown <laughs> and, and and do it for a job. Amen. I, I always say like a hard day for me is when I have sleeves on my shirt. So it, it could be a, <laughs> it could be a whole lot worse. Uh, so they're kind of I, I mean, I we want to talk a little sports, but, uh, you know, I want to talk. It, this kind of leads us into the whole media. And, I mean, you do, you know, I say now, like, we both majored in broadcasting. But, like, now, if you're a broadcaster, you also have to write and you also have to do a podcast and you're tweeting and, and do it. Like, there is no specialization anymore. You just kind of do everything. And in what – I think the biggest difference between, say, what I do and what you guys do, what a radio guy does – I. Like, people ask me all the time, like, you're still a fan, really, right? And I think they get mad when I say I'm not. But because, like, when you're there every day, uh, I mean, if you go out to the Cardinals clubhouse after every game and you're covering them and you're interviewing these guys every day, you can't get emotionally invested in it and care if they win or lose. When you're sitting back and, and you're not out there every day and you're just kind of talking about it on the radio, like, I think people want you guys to be fans. Yeah, well, here's the thing. This is this is an interesting thing. Now, I don't go to the games anymore. That kind of became right. a thing that like some people would uh, use as a way to take shots at, at guys who, like, I guess mainly were in radio, although maybe there were some guys in print. And I'm talking like 10 years ago, so I'm using the term print. Um, that, oh, well, he doesn't go to the games to like, somehow disqualify that person's opinion now it could i could be off the mark on that it certainly went on in st louis i don't know if it went on in kansas city or columbia or i think it or goes on everywhere. people might be listening. yeah okay now now you kind of don't really hear that anymore because the games are accessible it would be a different thing if you're on there and the games aren't on television uh but i felt like it was kind of a way to take it like like if people wanted to like you know piss on our show well they don't do any show prep okay fine sorry we're good enough to not do show prep if that bothers you you know it works i don't really the advertisers get a return on investment we have an audience so sorry i'm not in at three writing out my hot take on you know missouri's turnovers last night that's just (laughs) not the way that 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 we operate but if you want to do it that way then do your show that way so that stuff doesn't really go on anymore but when i was going to when i was doing television and therefore i would be in the rams locker room i'd be in the cardinals locker room i'd be in the blues locker room be in missouri locker rooms um, I was still a fan and I still am a fan. And I would notice this was the thing that was like, so like, I don't even know, like shattered my world in a way that I would come down into the Cardinal clubhouse after losses. And I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm more upset about this loss than the guys who just played the game. <laughs> That's so messed up, yes. you know? 
And then there were times like the Cardinals, you know, lucky enough here where the Cardinals were constantly in the playoffs, like almost every year from 2000 through, God, 2015. I think there were three years maybe where they weren't in the playoffs, four years that they weren't in the playoffs. But in 2001, they lost to the Diamondbacks, who eventually won the World Series that year, and they lost in the bottom of the ninth and the deciding game five on a base hit. And I had to go live from what was Bank One Ballpark at the time in Phoenix. And I remember the anchor back in St. Louis got on the phone with me, and he goes, oh, my God, it looked like somebody told you your dog had just been run over. You were so upset doing your doing your live shot. And that's – so I wore it on my sleeve. I mean, it yeah. would be like if you were doing video on Power Mizzou – and you were like standing outside the building last night after the Auburn loss, you know, looking Crying. distraught. I'd go, yes. "Oh my God, what happened to the Colonel? What is wrong with him?" <laughs> but that's where that that's where I was. I, I just I don't go to the games anymore. I don't. I certainly, I I don't know if it comes with age, you know. I don't know. I just I don't I don't get that upset about it anymore. But here's the thing, and this this actually does tie in to something that that is Missouri related, even though we did acknowledge that we, the Kim Anderson era did not occur. Uh, and I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I was flying back from Las Vegas in, uh, I guess, I don't know, was it whatever Kim hadn't coached a game yet, but he'd already been named head coach. And uh, I had just played in the world series of poker and I was flying back and it was me and my wife and I saw Kim and I hadn't seen him since the 19 late nineties when you and I were there right. doing television and he was always super friendly to us. And uh, I said hello, and we started talking, and, and, we, and the flight got delayed about an hour. And so we had time to BS. And I said, here's the thing that I am now so sympathetic for not just Kim Anderson, who hadn't coached a game at Missouri yet, but for any coach and or any general manager or whatever the case might be, is now that I've operated a business, and even though it's not nearly as you know, even remotely as high profile as operating a division one college basketball or football, or, you know, major league baseball, whatever the case might be team. I am now sympathetic to having to fall on the sword because I've had to fall on the sword for things that I've had nothing to do with, right. but I can't, you have a choice. And I think most coaches, most legitimate leaders uh, are going to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to take this one, even though I had nothing to do with it. And so I was saying to him, and I don't know why it was on my mind, probably because I had recently fallen on a sword, <laughs> but that, that I said, now I get like something happens and you got to stand and, and kind of take the blame for it. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, the guy got caught with, you know, smoking weed with, you know, in, in a dorm or whatever the case might be. And you got to, you can't talk about it. You can't, I mean, it's just a, it's a weird spot. And so I think once you realize that Back in my 20s, I'm on the radio acting like I know it all, not because I'm acting, but because I really think that I do. Right. And then you now are on the other side of it at times with operating a business and, and having people rip, you know, rip some of what they think are decisions, but they're actually factors that aren't made public. Um, you're more you, you can't get all that worked up about it because, you know, that you don't know if that makes any sense. Like when I did a show with Jim Edmonds here in St. Louis, and I'd go, you know, Cardinals now, Jim, five and eight on the season, you know, what's going on with the pitching? He goes, well, let's just wait until October. I have a feeling everything will work out. I go, what the hell? You know, I need, <laughs> right. I need, I need what more. What am I going to talk I mean, about for the next five world. months? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's a guy who's one world. I go, but what about this decision? He goes, well, you never know unless you're really in the clubhouse, and yeah. I'm not in the clubhouse, and there's a good chance. And, and that's but, the thing. And so it's tough. So it's like 
if I wanted to do that stuff, you know, the hot button topics. I mean, obviously, you know, you see what your audience on Power Mizzou and on social media is getting all fired up about, and you know you can play to it, but at the same time, then you're sacrificing being honest with them, and I don't, I don't want to do that. So I think our show, for as moronic as it is, like 89% of the time, when we do talk sports, I'd like to think there's a little bit of a little bit of nuance and maybe it's not this way and maybe it's this way. But even then it's like, you don't know because there's so many, I mean, I've heard so many conspiracy theories regarding what's going on. Like right now with the Cardinals, for example, uh, and you just don't know what's, what's really true. So I can't get as worked up as I did back then. Cause I don't know what I don't know. Right. Hey, that's it. I say that all the time. Like we make these, Look, it's our job. We have to have opinions. People expect it, all that. But media and fans, and I lump us all together here. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but we make these sweeping generalizations and all these assumptions, and really we have the 40 minutes on the court or the 60 minutes on the field per week, and that's what we're basing everything on. We're not in a locker room with these kids. We're not in a classroom with them. You know, we don't know which one walked into the coach's office and told him to, you know, shove it. Tuesday. So we're making all these assumptions on what should happen when we have 10% of the information. And like, it's a tough place because you've got to do it because that's your job, but you really, I mean, you're doing it with just a fraction of the information. And that's one thing. We'll steer it back to Mizzou. Gary Pinkle, two years away from him now, here is, in my opinion, Gary Pinkle's biggest strength. He took so much blame for so many things that weren't his fault. And, and I don't yeah. mean I don't mean standing at the at the podium and saying, I'm the coach, it's my fault, I've got to get it fixed. Like he said that so much, you could just predict when it was coming. But all this stuff you're talking about, we have no idea. And Gary Pinkle's standing up there and he knows this is why I get paid four million dollars a year. I it's not my fault, and I know it's not my fault, and I don't care if they know it's not my fault. I don't think Gary Pinkle ever read a word I wrote. I don't think other than when he was on the radio doing an interview with you, he probably ever listened to a second of your radio show. I asked him that in the podcast. I went down to his house, and we I was in his kitchen for an hour and a half just sitting there BSing, and uh, it was great. And we talked, we we talked obviously, with people, if they have listened, what you heard there, of course, but but we also talked away from the microphones and certain things off the record. You respect that. But I, over the course of the conversation that was on the record, I said, did you ever, you said you didn't listen to it. And he goes, no, I didn't. I, I just, I, he goes, I didn't. He goes, you just, you just train yourself. You don't even think about it. And so much of it, as you know, I'm sure anybody who's listening to a Power Mizzou podcast would know who he would attribute that to. It automatically goes back to Don James. Right. Um, and that's just the way that he operated, which I do think is healthy from, from what we do, uh, we are not in a position to do that. Again, I want to make it crystal clear that I'm not tying operating Power Mizzou or operating inside STL to operating University of Missouri's football program, <laughs> but I am talking about the parallels of blocking out negativity that comes on social media, and part of you know doing what we do is to communicate, and, and, which I love to do, by the way, uh, communicate with with people who listen to our show or listen to the podcast and in your case read you and listen to your podcast um but inevitably that's why i found so we have this tma fan page the morning after fan page on facebook and we i think there's like sixty thousand three hundred members now um and i like that more than twitter 
because we vet as much as you can possibly vet to make sure that every member is a real person mm-hmm. and not somebody creating some fake name, what used to be the egg avatar, which now I think has been replaced by uh, some like dog that everybody uses or a flag because uh, they won't use their face or real name on Twitter so they can act like asses on on Twitter. And the cloak of anonymity is what provides the platform for someone to act like a jackass and either take it out on you when Missouri has a bad possession or to just take a shot. And it's just like that that just isn't what the name of the game is. I do like to interact with people, and I really do enjoy criticism. But it's there's a way to administer criticism and actually have value be in the criticism as opposed to making it personal. And you're just like, okay, this person's probably, you know, struggling financially or sexually. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the target today. So that, that, that I love communicating with, I love it. I have 6,300 people want to join and be part of this thing, for, you know, on Facebook, then you're actually communicating and you know, you're communicating with people as opposed to what I think oftentimes Twitter is, which is people create fake accounts so they can, you know, attack people yeah. and that's i'm just there's i, I, I don't i don't get I'm not interested in that you are speaking to someone who runs an internet message board for a living <laughs> preach uh well, and, those and people right they have to they have to pay to be members of your, your they message do. board they right? do um, yeah but yes they than your standard like reddit page there's no way to prove for me it, there is no no way though for me to know if their name is a real i don't know who they are basically is what i'm saying i can't right. prove it um but I, I mean you said you like criticism so look there is a seinfeld reference for everything in life so tim i got a lot of problems with you and you're about to hear them all <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah but uh, but uh no you so first off tell everybody where they can find the podcast because i've listened to a handful of them and, and they're they're really good Thank you, Colonel. I appreciate that. I, I mean, the ones uh, I haven't listened to probably suck, but the ones I've listened to. Right, exactly, exactly right. Those were no good. Uh, InsideSTL.com, but I think most people, well, I'm, I'm looking at our data, and I don't know what you look at for your podcast, but 85%, 86% are listened to on iTunes. So, you know, the link is on uh, my Twitter page for the show. I'm at T. McKernan, M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N. And uh, the show is at McKernan Show, and the link is there on iTunes, or you can just search for the Tim McKernan Show in iTunes. And so for Missouri fans specifically, uh, I had an hour-and-a-half conversation with Gary Pinkle, and uh, and then recently, uh, I think it was like an hour or so, maybe more, probably was more, with Mike Kelly. Um, and that was uh, that was really good because for Missouri fans, you know, he's been calling games down there for – God, I mean, it's approaching 30 years. As long as him being since a, before I was in school, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's approaching, you know, I think he he was involved with the broadcast. He wasn't on the call of the fifth down game, but he was back in St. Louis at KMOX, you know, doing maybe like updates when Bill Wilkerson was on the call of that game. And then obviously all these things that have happened since. And he really gave some honest, yes, uh, you know, specifically regarding November 2015, which I totally would have understood if he – being in you know in the role he's in if he wanted to you know politicize and by politicize i mean give a political correct and politically correct answer and then also really you know i thought the quinn snyder stuff was really interesting and i i, I think it would be fair to say that that was a criticism of mike alden yeah. uh and for that i realized not everybody has listened to the interview so to, to give what he said to paraphrase what he said he said you know when mike hired him he said he was going to mentor him. And he goes, I think it would be fair to say, if we look back at that, to ask the question, did Mike really mentor him? 
and then also said Quinn was in the Duke bubble and had been protected by, you know, coaching for Mike Krzyzewski. And then he comes to a state institution and doesn't think he has to do some of the things you have to do when you're running a basketball program at a state institution. And he thinks that was, you know, in addition to whatever else anybody would want to add to the it. The extracurricular? Of, yeah. Yes, exactly. Whatever else anybody would add to it. But those were two of the issues. Like, would it? And, and then he cited a, an assistant coach that was hired right out of the gate who, um, you know, people are like, who the hell is this guy? And now he's working with what he's talking about. He works with Steph Curry. You know who I'm talking about? The name? I don't have the name. Uh, walking around a parking lot while we talk, so I don't have the stuff. Yeah, I can't paper. remember which guy. But, but I mean, way, I know John Hammonds like, was the in the NBA it? for a while, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that he hired. The point being that Quinn clearly could recognize when he saw some basketball talent that other people may not have recognized. So that was, uh, you know, it was good. Cause, I mean, that's an era that, you know, it's funny for us growing up, and I'm sure a number of the people listening to this, while we were growing up in the Missouri football program was a punchline, it was the basketball program that had all the stability. And now the roles, in a sense, have reversed. Up I'm not until sure 2015, how... they had completely reversed. Uh, that, 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 that's it. That's what I was about to say. I'm not sure how stable you would consider it now over the last couple of years, but for like, like did we ever really have a year? Have we ever really had a year uh, where you go, the, the basketball program and the football program were firing all cylinders? Now you had 2012 with a basketball I... team, then followed by 2013, but 2012 was a crappy football year. So. You know, yeah, I think the closest it's, it's been was the 2008 season when Missouri won, like, they won 10 games, uh, went to the Alamo Bowl and chased Daniel's right. senior year. And then that basketball team was Mike Anderson's third team that won 30 games and went to the Elite Eight. Um, but outside, it, it's never been, yeah, we talked about, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's guess, never been guess, over an extended yeah. period. It's been like a year here or there, but never a, a stretch of five years or something where you go, wow, they're both really good at the same time. Yeah, you're right. Because I think of the I think of that team, and I go, "Oh, that was the '09 team." But yeah, you're right. They were they were theoretically playing at the same time and at the tail end of of 2008. So it hasn't it hasn't happened. Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. But uh, and that was the other thing we asked. I also got his thoughts on the Barry uh, Odom Auburn. You know, the speech after the yeah. Auburn game. Uh, and I'll tell you something. I interviewed when I for the first podcast with Gary Pinkle. I think that was like two or three days after that had happened. And I could tell that Pinkle thought that was a mistake. Right. Uh, he, didn't, that was, he didn't go. That was a very un-Gary Pinkle moment. That, uh, that speech what, for, by for Odom to lose yeah. it like that? The speech by Odom yeah, was yeah. something you never would see out of Pinkle, for sure. Right. And that's what he said. He said he, I don't know if he cited Don James. I'll put it at 80% he did. But right. he said, I was, I was taught, you know, at a young age that if I ever were going to, I was going to lose it, I would lock myself in a bathroom lose it in there and then come out and see the media. So I would never be in a spot where I'm out of control. And I felt like when I was watching that, and I was watching it live on powermazoo.com. Um, and I saw him pacing back and forth. And I remember thinking to myself, he's debating in the moment, whether he's do. debating whether or not to lose his mind or not. I don't think he was trying to calm himself. I think he was debating whether or not he says what he obviously wound up saying. And I have to tell you something. And now, you know, now we have the benefit of looking back over what it's been four or five months since then. In the moment, I was kind of like, I like this. But the reaction to it in the moment was big time critical. And I'm not talking, I don't recall what you thought about it or wrote about it, but I'm talking about from fans. uh, It was, people were really, really critical and I actually liked it. Um, 
I don't think that I don't think that's the reason why they quote unquote turned it around. I am a dissenter on the quote unquote right. turnaround of 2017. I think the scheduling, which is not anybody's fault, but I just don't know how much they really turned it around based on I can't imagine in our lifetime, both of us were born. I was born in 76. I assume yeah. you're 76, 75. 76, yeah. So if, if we can go back to, you know, when we can remember Missouri football, and I remember my first game was Missouri-Notre Dame in 84. If we can go back, you know, that long, I can't recall a stretch in a Missouri football schedule where you had six worse opponents lined up. I just can't imagine that that ever happened before. And, again, that's that not a be shot true. at Barry Odom or anybody else. It's just – that's what happened, and I feel like, I feel like, and maybe I'll be wrong, but based on what you see starting up in the middle of September that goes all the way through the end of October, and you see how tough that schedule is coming up in 2018, I wonder how many of the people who go, oh, I guess I was wrong on Barry Odom, or where are all the Barry Odom haters now, if those people will still be standing by him if they go two and four through that stretch that includes, you know, Georgia and Alabama. Right. Uh, and and what's going to wind up happening there? That's what yeah. I wonder about. Yeah, at Purdue and what South Carolina, and you know what's going to wind up happening there. So I know you've had Barry on on your show. I assume you have a few times anyway. I don't know about how much you've uh, talked to Conzo, but just general impressions of uh, and like look, everybody knows this about me, but you too. Like we went to school with Barry. We were nineteen year old journalism students interviewing nineteen year old Barry Odom as a, a linebacker. Right. Um, but just kind of general thoughts, and I'm not asking you, hey, are these guys going to be great coaches, terrible coaches, whatever, but just general thoughts on where both their programs are and are going. I buy in big time on Conzo Martin, and I wanted them to hire him years ago, and that's very rare for me to to actually like be identifying because people are like, oh, you want to fire this guy? Who do you want to replace him with? It's, and which is a fair question because that, of course, is you know cause and effect. Uh, and usually people don't have an answer, but I really like the idea of Conzo Martin. Years ago, uh, I think what it couldn't have happened because he went to – did he go to Tennessee in 11 and Missouri hired Haith in 12 or um, 10 and 11? He went to Tennessee about two weeks before Missouri hired Frank Haith, I think. Same year. So whatever Frank's so first Missouri year could was, have was hired time. him. Yes. Missouri had him as a backup plan while they were chasing Matt Painter, and then in that time, uh, I believe Tennessee hired Conzo. Uh, all right. Uh, I knew there was. I knew there was at least some talk of it before, and I remember thinking I would really like Conzo Martin. Um, so I buy in. I still buy in, and I buy in for similar reasons to why I bought in with Gary Pinkle. I remember interviewing Gary Pinkle in December of 2000. Again, at that point, I'm 20. I guess I just turned 24, and I'm working at KMOV in St. Louis. And I remember coming back to the TV station and telling you know. And Steve by the Bavardi's, way, your photographer was the one that had the Tennessee hat. That is correct. Gary Womack. He had the tennis that is cut as that lives in lore. Gary Womack's Tennessee hat and Gary Pinkle telling him to take it off and giving him a Missouri hat. That is a hundred percent true story. It set the tone, that's for sure. At this interview, this was at uh, like the Tiger Club thing that they would do in uh St. Louis, uh, a couple miles from where I am right now. And I got done doing the interview and they asked, Well, how's it how is it? Nobody who he was coming from Toledo and I said, I gotta tell you, I really buy into this guy. And by that, I mean, at that time, if you recall, December 2000, I think Quinn Snyder had probably already turned down, like, at least five jobs. Right. You know, the, the point being that we thought Quinn, similar to what happened with Mike Anderson, every year there was a new place he was going to be going. And I just got the sense that Pinkle, if he could make it work, was going to be in it for the long haul. 
I feel the same way about Conzo Martin. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, it's the same same feeling. On Barry Odom, I, I'm, I'm concerned by what I've seen, and then I feel like, you know, this is an analogy that hopefully will work. I always felt like Atlanta Braves fans, for example, were in a way penalized by the fact that they went from being like one of the worst teams in all of baseball to suddenly having this run of three of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game to play together. And then the fans became spoiled Mm -hmm. and expecting that. So when I went down to the Cardinals and played the Braves in the first round of the playoffs, the gate, you know, there'd be like 10,000 empty seats. They took it for granted Uh, with, with Rams fans locally. uh, We got this, I mean, you got the, one of the most entertaining offenses ever, but then I always thought to myself, what's it going to be like around here? This crappy building when they aren't scoring 70 points and they they start becoming an eight and eight team, never thinking that they become as bad as they were. Stan Kroenke, eight and eight, they'd have killed for eight and eight. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. So what was it going to be like then? So my point being is this: again, it's small sample size because we're talking about a run that began in mid October and with the, the loss in the Texas Bowl ended at the end of November. But did Barry Odom unfairly get too much? praise for something that I just don't know if it was to not have the season go into the absolute tank. I do acknowledge. I think that deserves praise. I just feel like it became a narrative that I don't necessarily think was deserved. And on the other side of it, if, because now he's going to be dealing with one of the toughest schedules in that stretch in mid September to the end of October, is he going to be unfairly penalized for something that, some great coaches would have a tough time navigating through with having to travel to Tuscaloosa and dealing with Georgia and who knows what South Carolina and, uh, you know, some of these other schools. I mean, you wouldn't think Purdue would be a problem, but, you know, Purdue was a problem this year at home. So, you know, and what that would be like for, for him, if, if now the bar has been set unfairly high, and I don't know if unfairly is the right term, but unreasonably high based on a run that was, right. like I said, the, six, the easiest six-game stretch. So I, I wonder about that. Um, and I do think there are going to be expectations this year, and I think the expectations do belong there, but that's more about the players returning right. than you know what I saw and, against Idaho and UConn and three schools that were getting ready to fire their coaches or did fire their coaches. And, and you never want to be the guy that follows the guy. I mean, you don't want to be the Braves GM after John Scherholtz. You don't want to be the Rams quarterback after Kurt Warner, and I'm not sure you want to be the Missouri football coach after Gary Pinkle because Missouri That's fans right. got used to 10 wins, and now 8-4 and four is just like what's expected when 8-4 and four has never really been expected here in a long time. So um, last thing I want to talk about with you, I'd intentionally save this toward the end because you are wow, St. What is Louis. Wow, St. Louis, it, it's, it's the hot-button topic on PowerMizzou.com <laughs> and, and maybe on your favorite website of choice, the Tiger Board. I don't know. Um, no, that's but, Brazzers. Oh, I <laughs> got you. It's not a hot-button topic on Brazzers. <laughs> I can promise you that. But um, so you are, I, I mean, you've lived in St. Louis for all but like, what, two and a half years of your life or something like that? Well, four years or five magical years in Columbia, still looking for that degree, waiting right. for the call from the chancellor for the honorary degree, uh, as I have eight hours left. But uh, And then I, I only had to do eight, eight months in Little Rock. I was lucky, okay. man. I got to come home after only eight months. So, yes, I am okay. St. Louis through and through. Okay, so it, the it, St. Louis gets um, gets targeted, I think, as the center of the – why don't people there want to go to Missouri? Athletes want to go to Missouri. Now, I, I'm going to explain for anybody listening 
Like, I am not going to use this as a platform to trash St. Louis. I have some thoughts I'll share on this after I get Tim's thoughts. But why do you think it is Missouri has had such a difficult time attracting whichever sport it is, really good players, specifically from St. Louis? Man, I kind of feel like that's that's somewhat subsided. So I'm okay. I'm, I, I, I'm I'm surprised. Well, by it's, it's come back up this question. year with all these high school kids who Missouri is maybe going to get one of, like the best St. Louis class since Damani Cross was in high school, and Missouri might get one of them. So that's why it's kind of resurfaced. But the yeah. basketball it, thing, I mean, they didn't get anybody out of say it. Basically, went from Kalen Grimes to Jeremiah Tillman. Yeah, and that's 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 legitimate. But I mean, if we look at the circumstances on that, you know, right. like if if Quinn Snyder weren't the situation he was in, I think Tyler Hansbrough. I mean, I realize Tyler Hansbrough is in St. Louis, but I know people would have talked about, you know, Missouri. You, you get asked about it when you're on our show. Doug always asks you about, you know, in-state players. Um, I so I look at the circumstances there. Here is something that I would imagine your listeners, because I know they are the hardcore. Missouri fans are aware of, but it, it is true. There is, there was, and Pinkle talked about it in his book. Mm-hmm. There was a perception amongst African, the African American community in St. Louis. Now, this you're going back to when Gary Pinkle took right. over the program 2000. in December 2000 yeah. of a of a of a gap between St. Louis and and Columbia, in specific with the African-American community in the University of Missouri. I am of the opinion that that has been healed in a substantial way. Um, Mostly by Gary so, Pink. Yes, okay. absolutely. So I don't, I don't know if I – but, I mean, listen, I, I also made it clear at the outset, and I will make it clear here again. It's not like you know my knowledge is even like a tenth of yours when it comes to like the, the hardcore Missouri elements and in particular – recruiting but i can tell you this just from doing a show daily here that i don't i don't see that now okay. if you're a recruit and you're deciding where you're going and you might go i don't want to go to missouri they're one of the worst basketball programs or i don't want to go to missouri they were getting ready to fire barry odom you know mm-hmm. that's a, that's a different situation but when it used to be it was a they were bad and i'm talking about like the the 1990s and early 2000s element that that, that pinkle uh, hopefully helped mitigate, but that uh, there's also just a perception that, you know, that's not a place to go if you're an African-American from St. Louis. And what now, what caused that? I don't know. That's well right. before you and I were in school, but that was the perception. And I am aware of that. And that comes from firsthand sources, but hell, like I said, Gary Pinkle wrote about it in his book. And that's why he had that meeting with all those coaches. And I think it was Demetrius Johnson at like yeah. an airport hotel near Lambert, in St. Louis. So, I would be disappointed to hear if that had resurfaced, though. That would be disappointing. Again, you're not you're not saying it's specific to African Americans. No, no. So you're saying just in general, St. Louis athletes. But that was the issue with the African American community going back nearly, right. you know, 18 years. And I don't even think it's St. Louis athletes. I don't think it's African Americans. I don't think it's St. Louis athletes. So here's the theory that I've come up with on this in the last couple of years, and I, I throw it out to you, and and you tell me as a, as a guy who's lived in Missouri for all but eight months of his life, if you agree. I've lived in Missouri for all but I don't know five years. I believe this state is uh, is first of all the mo- one of the most like diverse states. Not I'm not talking like race or anything like that. But if you go to the boot heel, it's like you're in the deep south. If you go to the Ozarks, you know you got Oklahoma and and uh, and Arkansas fans. Kansas City and St. Louis, the two biggest cities, are both on borders 
of the state. Kansas City is much closer to KU than it is to Columbia or to Mizzou. St. Louis is equidistant to Illinois. So you've got all these different pockets, and there is no loyalty in this state to Missouri. People do not grow up in this state seeing the University of Missouri as like a destination place. Um, and I think it's that loyal. So I think it's a. I don't even think it's specific to athletes, but I think the the people that we deal with, sports fans, see it played out in athletes. I mean, Tim, I didn't want to go to the University of Missouri. I wanted to go somewhere else, but eventually the J school was was good enough and cheaper for my parents, so I got a nicer car than I would have gotten by going to Northwestern. So that's why I came to Missouri. <laughs> you know, I I just think people that there isn't a there is not a sense of statewide pride. You don't go across the country and say I'm from Missouri proudly like somebody from texas or arkansas or ohio might yeah there's there's something to be said for that i've always said there's no question i see it occasionally debated on uh yeah you're right my favorite site the tiger board uh like the st louis kansas city thing and not the thing where they go back and forth about the cities but that you know the loyalty to missouri it seems to be more passionate in kansas city than it is in st louis and what i I would say to that is it, you, and you agree with that? No, I disagree. I don't think it is at all. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, really? I think, well, I think here, Kansas City is more of a college with... town than St. Exactly. Louis is. That's what I was going to say. But exactly. But... I also think if you're in St. Louis and you are a college fan, you're more likely to be a Missouri fan than if you're in Kansas City and you are a college fan because there are so many KU and K-State fans. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. That's exactly what I was going to say. So if for however, and it almost, I guess, happened, if St. Louis and Illinois – we're in the same conference, and if St. Louis U had a football program and would be in the same conference, that's the equivalent to what Kansas Cityans right. had, you know, up until the time of 2012 when Missouri went to the SEC, where you have three fan bases congregated in one big city, and you don't have that here. St. Louis U doesn't have a football team in Illinois and Missouri. It's you know, it's a rivalry really for Once you know the casual fan one night a year, you know, and so. College sports, it's been a pro sports town. And now, that, again, I'm, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying absolutely. They're, of course, Missouri fans. But, um, you know, in, in 2013 in particular, in 2014 to a lesser extent, and certainly 2007 and 2008, you know, it's, it's de- I'll tell you this. There's no doubt about it. And I do love seeing this. It is way more common to see Missouri gear in St. Louis now than it was 15 years ago. No question. I suppose maybe that should seem obvious, but I just remember growing up and when I was in school, I'd come back and I'd go, God, just nobody wears Missouri stuff unless they went to Missouri. And at that time, because, you know, the football team was a punchline with the exception of some good years in 97 and 98, that, you know, that, that there would be no reason to unless you went there or had a you know kid there or whatever the case might be. So, it's if that's changed in that capacity, I think, you know, I mean, again, it's, you know, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But right. if Missouri would have somehow been able to either win one of those two in 07 or 13, because 08 and 14 wasn't right. going to lead to anything. Uh, and I'm talking about the conference championship games. I think the equity that could have built up, we would still be experiencing great return on that investment. Uh, years later, because then it puts you, and then you got a month of all-out hype for a national championship game, and then it becomes, yeah, I mean, I'm going to Missouri. They won the national championship, as opposed to, unfortunately, what wound up happening in those games. And you lose those games, and then you just, you're going to a bowl, 
and that doesn't have near the the attraction of what it what it could have done. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm just looking for opportunities where they would have been, and those were two games that if Missouri could have won either one of those, I mean, you're you're playing for a national championship, and what that could have done would have been, you know, just monstrous as far as the impact on on the fan base, in particular on this fan base that certainly I remember in 2013 really got on board, uh, you know, because it was the perfect setup. You got to beat Johnny Manziel, and you right. you know you get to play in the SEC championship game, and you know it, it was it was the ideal, uh, you know, perfect storm. Really, unfortunately, I just weren't able to win. Well, Tim, I mean, I kept you about twice as long as I told you I was going to. I'm pretty impressed for having absolutely. We haven't talked about any of our, I mean, so I I guess I'll have you on my podcast and then we'll talk about, because that that one is essentially after dark. My whole career is really after dark. (laughs) The the ratings for that, I'm sure, will be every bit as high as like Gary Pinkle. um, Didn't he have like John Ashcroft or somebody on there? I'm sure it'll be just as good. Jack Danforth. Jack Danforth. Yeah, it's like meet the press in St. Louis, except it's meet the pervert. And for whatever reason, they come in and talk to me. I have no, I'm glad they do. They must obviously not follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but, I mean, 45 minutes without a plan is not bad. i got to be honest, man. I don't know how you do four hours of jackassery every day not having any idea what you're going to talk about. Very well, impressive. it's only three hours. That's how oh. I do it. That's the magic of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the fourth hour would just be way over the top. <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be my breaking point. That would be the Larry Nichols No, I enjoy it. I thought we were going to talk about random affairs at KOMU, and we were going to get into some good specifics there. But I guess I, I guess that'll have to wait for my podcast. Yeah, that's uh, that's my last podcast out the door, man. <laughs> like the the week before I retire, we're just gonna by that point, like I'm gonna be 85 because I'm never gonna have enough money. But we'll just be like two old men in our wheelchairs talking about what happened 66 years ago. <laughs> Good times. I'm all for doing that. I'm all for Thanks. doing that. All right, man. I got you on the calendar in like 2072. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, I uh, hope the family's doing good and all that. And uh, and thanks. And, hey, maybe if Missouri gets good again uh, at things, I'll uh, I'll come on and talk to Doug Vaughn for a while. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about uniforms. <laughs> good deal. All right, Tim. Have a good one, man. Thank you, Colonel. See you. Uh, all right, bye. Tim McKernan, uh, like multifaceted in inside STL, uh, dot com. Most of the stuff you can find there. He does the radio show with Doug and Jim. He's all over the place. The Tim McKernan show on iTunes. And again, I went to college with Tim. I've known him for, for 20 some odd years and just wanted to take, take kind of a, a different route on the podcast, get somebody in. I know a lot of you guys listen to Tim's stuff. Tim is, you know, like I, like I am, grew up watching Missouri sports, was a, a fan of Mizzou, went to school there now, is is in a much different way, but loosely covering them. And so kind of want to get his take. I, I highly recommend the podcast with Gary Pinkle. Even more highly recommend the one with Mike Kelly. If you haven't listened to it, you've got an hour and a half drive coming up or something. Download it, plug your phone in, listen to it. it it's uh, good stuff. So thanks to Tim for spending about 45 minutes with us. Podcast is going to take a week off next week. We will be back. On Thursday, February 8th, I guess that will be the uh, day after National Signing Day to talk a little uh, Missouri recruiting, things like that. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you in two weeks.